Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Connection Talks. I'm Julia, your host, and today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Kia Baker. Uh, Kia is the host of the Female Veterans Podcast and a teacher and mentor at London Real Academy. I met Kia through London Real's podcast course, which I'm currently in, and she's my team leader there, and she's a huge inspiration to me. So I'm going to welcome you, Kia. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, it's, it's an honor to have you on. Um, where in the world are you right now? Right now, I am in um, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and that's, that's your home base. Yeah, I, I love it here. It's amazing. Um, the natural beauty is unparalleled in the Pacific Northwest. And so um, I just love it. I love hiking. I like going to, um, to the coast, up to the mountains. It has everything here that's really, really beautiful. And I, I just love this area. Where did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in Pennsylvania. I am from Philadelphia, but I spent most of my um, formative years in Hershey, Pennsylvania, where they make chocolate, and mm -hmm. I attended private school there. Oh, how was that like? Private oh, school? <laughs> private school was really interesting. It was co-ed. So there were boys and girls, and the school was founded by Milton Hershey, who created the Hershey Bar, and him and his wife, they couldn't have kids because she was ill, so they started taking in, uh, adopting boys, and then she kept wanting to adopt more and more, so they, they had to do something to take care of these um, boys that she was gathering, and they created a school, so um, the school actually really owns the chocolate factory and so that way it can go on forever and eventually over the years they added you know other races and girls and changed the school in different ways where it started more like farming and then it became like a trade school and by the time I was there it was more like a prep school I think in between there there was a, it was a business school so whatever was the the most um, necessary to get uh, a job and have a productive life. That is how they tailored the educational programming at the school. And you had to be from a single parent family um, and you had to have um, a special skill. Maybe you were athletic or you had above average intelligence, but it was a way to help impoverished children to have a better life. And it is one of the top 10 schools in the United States. So it was a great education. Yeah. And oh. I, I went to the school when I was nine, so fourth grade. Fourth grade, yeah. I stayed there until I graduated from high school. Wow, all those years. Was it, um, was it a private school where you lived at the school? Like a yes. boarding school? Yeah? Yes, it was boarding school. Wow. But it was, it was co-ed, and, and the structure was set up like a family. So we had yeah. two sort of house parents that lived in the house with us. And, um, and then there were about um, 16 girls that lived in one of the homes and everything was family style. We'd get up in the morning and do chores, get ready for school, go to, we'd eat together, we'd clean up that, go to school, come back, maybe we had sports or different activities, some free time, but then we'd cook dinner and have a family style dinner and everyone sat around the table, we passed everything, like it was very family structured. And then we would have free time on the weekends to hang out with our friends and things like that. We had dedicated study time. It was really like kind of having a family away from your family, but it was also yeah. difficult because you weren't with your actual family. And it was, it was a completely different upbringing than you have at home. So coming from the city and Hershey is in the country, it actually dairy farm for the, the chocolate factory where they okay. make your milk. So the school is 10,000 acres in the country surrounded by cornfields. So it was a very different life going from the city 
to the country, going from like I can um, an impoverished family to who was very wealthy. So everything was provided and given and from clothes to the best food, snacks, lots of chocolate. <laughs> you know, so it was incredible. It was a, it was, it was a very life-changing experience. In what way? Well, I don't think I would have had as many opportunities in my life um, if had I stayed home. And in fact, um, because I had, was born into a dysfunctional family, um, and my mother's, um, after my father, and, and she separated, and he subsequently passed away, she had another man that she fell in love with. And the two of them had mental health issues, which is probably what attracted them. And so it made our lives as their children very unpleasant, very um, almost terrifying because he was, he was, um, I didn't know it as a child. I just felt fear all the time, but it was definitely looking back um, some type of narcissistic psychopath so it was a very um, unpleasant upbringing and my mother had her own mental health issues so growing up with two people that are mentally ill was exceedingly difficult there was a lot of neglect a lot of abandonment and a lot of abuse so going away to private school was an escape for me at, at first mm. you like it but over the years, I began to realize that it was an escape yeah. and I was better off being there. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad for you that you had that school that you could feel more support in and more warmth. Yes, and, I did yeah. actually. I did. It, it was, it was, I mean, it was tough. There was like bullying and like, you know, as you're growing up, what you have to go through. Yeah. But um, all in all, I would not change it. I am so grateful to that school. And I, I love the Milton Hershey School. And I, um, and I still connect with, we have, um, we have reunions every five years. And so I still, I actually went back this year for the first time in 25 yeah. years and got to connect with people I hadn't seen in ages. It was like amazing. Because you just still feel like family and everyone's so happy to see you. It's, it's a definite, definitely a unique culture, and we are all very connected because we all consider Milton Hershey kind of like a father because he created that place for us that actually saved many of our lives. Wow, it's so beautiful that, yeah, someone creates something that can really be of benefit and help for others. Uh, or how was your experience with uh, friends at the school? At your school? Uh, well, I mean, when I originally got there, I didn't have any friends. Um, there was, I believe, a dynamic in place where it was in the early 80s, uh, not very early, like mid 80s. It was like 1984. And um, the school had only been allowing girls for less than 10 years. And also African-American, so girls. And so I was one of two of this heritage in my, my class in fourth grade. And so um, because I was so intelligent, it was off-putting, we'll say, for other kids because I thought on an adult level and um, I will say that first year was really difficult. The dynamic was set up that because there was two African-American girls, only one of them could be good, the good one. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. that wasn't me. So that made the first year for me really tough. And, um, but I got through it. I got through it. And when I changed into a, a, you're in one division for four years, so that's like elementary school, and then the next one, middle school, and then high school, but you moved houses to go with the bigger kids, and 
that's what happened. And when I moved houses, I landed in, a, in an amazing home with amazing house parents who were loving and kind and really tried to be patient. I mean, they really tried to do their best. They were fun. And they gave me a lot of the love that I needed. And um, they put up with a lot of my crap <laughs> as a troubled young girl. With um, They didn't know what was going on in my home life, of course, but um, it was reflective in, in my behavior. And there also, I had a lot of friends. And so it became a much better experience because then I had like a girl best friend who lived there, a couple of them, and we played together and hung out together and did everything together. So it was really fun. And was that in middle, middle school? Mm-hmm, middle school. Okay. I mean, I had some like minor bullying situations, but, and I got into some trouble here and there. But overall, I would say the experience was really good because I felt a lot of love in a time, in a crucial time in my life where it was needed. I'm so glad you experienced that, that you had some positive experience during, yeah, your upbringing, your uh, young years and your teenage years that you had the experience of good, having good friends, some good friends. Yeah. 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 And then from then on, I did. I did. Yeah. So I always took the people who, for a while there, there was like a crowd, I think, that they may have felt like they were the cool kids. Yeah. And um, they rejected people. And so I always welcomed people. So I ended up having a lot more friends (laughs) because (laughs) I was just always welcoming, oh, they don't want to hang out with you. I'll hang out with you. Oh, you're eating alone. Let me sit with you. You know, that was me. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice. I can really see that. (laughs) <laughs> I can really see that. Yeah, you're so loving and warm to the group at London Real at the yeah, oh, the course. So you. I can really see that. It's my goal to see everybody succeed. I just want to see you succeed. Yeah. What would you say are your biggest passions today? Today, well, I mean, first of all, I love podcasting, clearly. I mm. have a podcast. I actually have two. I am now the co-host of Hot Topics. It is a live stream show that streams live every Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And then we take that show and make it a podcast called Hot Topics, the podcast for anyone who can't catch the live show. And then I have the Female Veterans Podcast, which is what I am most passionate about. And I also, of course, coach at the London Real Academy, which I absolutely love. And um, after that, I, or maybe even more than that, I am very passionate about getting female veterans off the streets that are homeless. I am in the process of creating an organization that will do that. I'm a not-for-profit, it takes time. And I'm also learning how to um, run an organization like that. And so I've joined forces with another not-for-profit called Passageways in Wichita, Kansas, who are, um, have been getting homeless male veterans off the streets for the last five years and are now expanding to help homeless female veterans and building veteran communities and um, come aboard their program to learn from them as well as help them to bring their veteran communities uh, outside of Kansas and start implementing them in other states. So that's the next big project I have, which I'm super passionate about because I believe that you shouldn't serve your country and then come home to not having your basic needs met. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of PTSD. And these people, they need our help. They, they volunteer to be property, to be property of the United States government. And when they return home, they're left in the streets. So yeah. it's, my passion to end that. Hmm. And how did you start with podcasting? Well, I, I actually decided to podcast after taking a speaking course at the London Real Academy. I realized yeah. during the course that speaking out about female veterans issues was a priority to me. It's what I wanted to be doing, but creating a speaking career was going to take time. And I wanted to get started right away. 
So I actually saw a commercial from Brian, um, head of the London Reel, uh, talking about his broadcasting course. And I never once thought of having a podcast. I never considered it. I only listened mm. to one podcast, um, the Jordan Harbinger show, and which I love still. And um, and I saw his his commercial on YouTube and I thought, I'm doing that. That's it. I'm going to use these skills I learned in the Speak to Inspire course and have a podcast. And I'm going to talk to my veteran sisters and I am going to end the culture of silence surrounding our stories of service because people don't really talk about it. They don't talk about their experiences except to other vets. So yeah. this way I can share our stories for young girls who might be considering going in or for other veterans who need support and they're not ready to reach out for it um, yeah. or for the women who need a, a place, a platform to share their story or to offer advice from surviving what they've gone through. So that's how I got involved and why. It's it's amazing what you're doing and it's uh, I think podcasting is a great platform to able, to be able to reach out and and help many people at once. Um yeah, I I I think it's really really great. Um <laughs> yeah. Um and also just yeah, your passion shines through and I'm curious about what has broadcasting uh, brought to you in your life? Oh my gosh. Um, other than changing my life completely, I have been so blessed to meet such incredible, amazing people like yourself but so many female veterans and students. Um, it's taken me to London, which was always a dream of mine. And I finally got my passport and got on a plane and went to London and experienced that. And so it's opened up my world in a way where I will be traveling across the world more. I mean, literally opened up my world and to meet amazing people and to hear The stories that I hear, you can't hear these stories, good or bad, and not be changed by them. Especially when mm -hmm. in every show, my guests leave amazing advice. So you cannot not be impacted by that in some way, you know? Yeah. And it just, it just changes you fundamentally for the better as a person. And um, not to mention the opportunities that it has brought for me. Taking the course led me to becoming a mentor slash coach um, and, and realizing that I was able to do that and loved to do that. So it, it showed me another side of myself and another passion that I didn't know that I had or that I would even be good at because as a graduate student, I studied management and working with people a lot. And I had a lot of theories on how to best work with people and inspire them, but I had never put it in practice. And it gave me an opportunity to do that and see that it worked. So that was also something that helped me to gain more confidence, which without confidence, you won't really achieve much. So um, without the belief that you can do it and that you're good at it, you know? And yeah. Not to mention through the interviews, I've connected with amazing people who have offered me opportunities like um, Passageways. I interviewed, I did a collaboration with another podcaster. Um, he, he is Beth Breeze of the American Advocate um, podcast. And he, he is a veteran advocate. And he connected me with Passageways, the wonderful mother and daughter team, Susan and Jennifer, who have welcomed me in and want to teach me so that I can create my own foundation, as well yeah. as help them with theirs. Um, there is um, friendships that have been formed 
there is a small film project that has been developed and not to mention a lot of people that are willing to help me with it. There is um, uh, just so many connections, so many yeah. connections, a documentary, um, maybe being a guest on a panel, um, going mm. to conferences, just so many things have opened up because of just wanting to help and add value to the lives of female veterans that I would have never even ever expected. It was quite enough to have just a podcast. And now, and now all these other things have come my way, which I'm truly grateful for, but would never have happened if I hadn't have decided to trust in Brian Rose and what he was doing at the London Real Academy and believe that he really is the right person to have these ideas to transform lives and take people on a journey and and really means what he says and to me that meant yeah. everything and just so I'm so grateful to him always because without him and of course my business mentor Kelly who um, advised me that she pointed out the thing that I was most passionate about was female veterans issues without that those two I wouldn't have started on this journey it's it's really interesting because um, when you shared about your podcast journey, I I came to think about this process. Like it it, it really changes so much. Uh, I have experienced that myself. I, I'm in this course and I six or seven weeks in. Yes, only six weeks in, and I I can I, I sense a major shift already, a big transformation in me. And I, we've been talking about that and you've shared how it has really transformed your life. It has really changed so much in only a year. Yes. How's, how's it been? Like, how has it changed you? Well, um, number one, the confidence, the confidence to believe that just taking action like if I can think the thought and I can put the action behind it then I can achieve it you know and and that started with deciding to that I was gonna seek out I was gonna be a voice for female veterans making that decision and then that was the thought and the action I put behind it was taking taking the risks and investing in myself and putting some skin in the game by, you know, actual money, by, because it holds you accountable when you've got, you know, most people, it will hold them accountable when you've invested money into your goal. And so I, I really changed because the process taught me so much about pushing through the resistance and failing forward that it really built me up in a way where I became almost fearless. Not to say that I don't still get afraid of things. I still get nervous. I still get anxious and everything. But what I know is that if I face it and go through it, then on the other side, there's good. Yeah. So I keep my, my mind on the prize and that's kind of what it taught me. It changed me because it made me so much more confident in my own abilities. So to push through the fear, to move past the fear, because behind the fear, there's a prize. That's right. On the other it's, side of that fear is everything you ever wanted nine times out of 10. It's just like in those uh, uh, mythologies or child uh, children's stories about the dragon, and there's always this golden or the, or this this gold or this prize behind the dragon, always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a video so, game when you beat the boss, when you beat the boss you, fight, <laughs> the yeah. fight, then you get yeah. reward. So yeah. you have to face that challenge, and then. Once you're once you're through it, because the only way to the other side is to go through it. Once yeah. you're through it, you begin to realize sometimes the prize is just being proud of yourself and just feeling differently about who you are and what you're capable yeah. of. 
And actually, that's the best prize. To feel accomplishment and that you've mastered something. That, that's what I feel during these, these several weeks with a lot of resistance. And I still, I, I still, I still did it. And it, it, it's a really good feeling to yeah, have posted episodes online. <laughs> I know that feeling. I remember how it felt doing it. And even still, when I post a new episode, I cheer for myself. I clap at the end. Once I hit publish, I'm just like, yes, I did it. Another one. <laughs> so exciting. And before an interview, I still get absolutely so nervous, but I realize that it's excited nervousness. It's not yep. fear. I'm just so excited and I can't wait to see how this is going to go and, and what value it can add to someone else's life when I publish it. So yeah. it's really exciting. Yeah. And the transformation I, is real. And once yeah. you learn the skill of facing your fear, yeah. and crushing that resistance as we say at the London Reel. Yeah. Once you develop that skill over weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. Eight weeks of a course. Yeah. It's a skill that you have. You can always call upon that in any situation. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a skill that is developed by experiencing resistance and then crushing it and then experiencing resistance again and then moving past it. Like so, muscle. yeah, exactly. And it's good that we have eight weeks because then we have time to really develop that skill. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like 21 days before yeah. we have it. So. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's uh, definitely yeah, that's 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 it's perfect timing, and that's and it always feels like it went by too fast. Yeah. That too. I can't. I can't believe that it's. Yeah, that six week has has passed. It feels like a long time, and then it feels like a short time as well. You know, it's that feeling of like, whoa, there's happened. There's so much that's happened in those weeks, but then it's like, wow, there's only two weeks left. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a wake up call if you're not yeah. if you're not publishing and you're not crushing that resistance. Yeah. It's like, uh oh. I yeah. Get, like I have to get moving. I have to get moving. Yeah. And you have to just do it. For sure. But, I mean, that is like the classic saying, right? Just do it. And it's so true. You just have to just do it. Do know? it. Go yeah. for it. That's what I say. I say just go for it. Just go, go for it. Yeah. I know that you're interested in uh, uh, alignment and self-worth. Could you share a little bit about that? Especially self-worth. And, and I am enough oh, that we talked yes. about. Well, I mean, I went through, I have gone through multiple dark times in my life, but I am a, an eternal optimist because I believe that we are programmed from the time we're little, do this, don't do that. Like, this is how you behave. And, you know, we learn how to think from our our peers and, and from what we were watching on TV. And so it's all, it's all programming. And if you are going to be programmed, then why not have it be positive things? So I believe that um, a person can go so much more farther in life, can have such a more fulfilling and happier life if they believe that they are enough and that they are deserving of it. And I believe that a lot of the, the fear and depression that people experience and anxiety comes from a deep feeling of inferiority. It's something that I experienced myself and having, um, as a child, developing low self-esteem and spending a lot of my life trying to build that and different ways. And I studied Marissa Peer, who's an amazing uh, hypnotherapist, and she helps a lot of people. And one of the biggest speeches that she, she talks about 
is being enough and feeling enough. And I really vibe with that. I really believe that because in my own life, it's been so true. And, and it wasn't until I began to develop a solid self-worth that I was able to do any of this stuff that I'm doing. Because mm -hmm. first, you have to be able to think that you can. If you can't think that you can, then you can never. It's just that simple. You won't ever. Because you won't believe that you can. And then on top of that, you've got to deal with other people who their own limited beliefs are projected on you. So your self-worth has to be so strong that you can even quiet all the outside noise of people who don't think you can because that's their fear talking and their inferiority talking so that you can keep moving forward towards your goal. But if you don't have self-worth, the minute someone tells you that, oh, I don't like this, or I don't think that looks good, or they give you some sort of negative feedback, you're going to go, okay, it, it's a mindset. You're going to have a limited mindset and you're going to go, okay, I'm no good at this. And then you'll start the negative self-talk and, and affirming your negative affirmations. I am not good enough. I shouldn't have tried this anyway. I like, you know, but if you develop your self-worth, when someone gives you negative feedback, you can decide whether it's just toxicity, their own projected fear, or if it's something that you can use to help you grow. So if I could share a message with people, it would be to start planting seeds of positivity in your mind about yourself. How do you do that? Affirmations. Affirmations and reprogramming your subconscious mind is what I've learned from my research and from what I've tried and has worked for me is simply to put an affirmation somewhere you'll see it a million times a day or several. And I like to do mirror affirmations. I like to look at myself in the eye and tell myself positive things. I talk to myself sometimes when I'm low and feeling down as we all do and we're experiencing our emotions because being positive is not about false positivity and just going, I'm happy all the time. It's not that. It is facing your, your shadow self, facing the dark emotions, processing them and being able to not be stuck in them being able to release them and then finding your way back to positive thoughts and positive emotions, you know? So though I talk to myself, like I talk to a friend sometimes when I'm low, give myself a pep talk, be my own cheerleader. And that helps me and it helps other people that I've recommended it to. Um, another way is to write, write positive affirmations writing is a powerful tool and write these powerful self affirmations positive affirmations before bed just before you're about to go to sleep and read them over to yourself until you're too tired to read or you can have it recorded and listen to it as you're falling asleep at night and that will help reprogram your subconscious mind to start having more positive thoughts about yourself but it's a practice we are so entrenched in negative thinking. I don't understand if it's like passed down generationally and someone has to just break the chain. But it's so. so much easier to be negative than it is to be positive. And so there's so many people with negative mindsets around you, so it's easy to be a part of the group. It actually took me a lot of work to reprogram my mind and to really start to see things from a positive light. And I started that in my 20s and I'm still working on it. Yeah, it takes time. It does. It really does. Especially when we've experienced that programming for so many years, let's say 20 years, and then of course it's going to take a while to to break break the chains and and yeah, build a new pathway. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, you have to, to, it's 
neuroscience. You have to change your pathways yeah. in your brain by doing things differently. They say cold showers help. They say, you know, using the opposite hand to brush your teeth or to go up the steps than you normally use. Mm. There's Just to break the patterns? Is that, yes. yeah. Yeah, and then you create new pathways in, in your, your brain and that you're, it, they start to wire and fire differently. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot. Great. He, 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 could, he explains it very, very well. And I do those things. I do a lot of those things. I mean, I don't know about the cold showers. I mean, I try. I really do. I just <laughs> love a hot shower. Hot shower. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah I, but I, I last, the last three minutes of the shower is cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, start with small changes and then build them up. Exactly. When did you realize that you had a programming in the first place? And when did you wake up to that? Um, well, <laughs> when I was in the military, actually, I went into Terry when I was 19. So I was on my own from that time. And the military, before I went in, everyone was like, you're going to go to the military. You're such a hippie. Like, that is like the last place anyone ever expected <laughs> that I would go. And it was true. I mean, I went into the military because I understand that it's an honor to serve. But also, I needed money for school. I came from a poor family and I wanted to go to college. That was my big dream. And which I was able to do later. But I, I went in and I realized immediately that they were programming us. So they have to. I mean, they have to break you down and build you back up the way they want you to be so that you mindlessly do what you're told. And from the minute I got to boot camp and realized what was happening, I resisted it. It wasn't a total resist, I guess, because I did get some of the programming. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. I realized it much later. But um, I didn't. I, I. It was something that I knew from the time I went to boot camp that I was like, okay, I'm not going to retire. This is not a career for me. I have to do my obligation of time, which was five years, and then I. I need five years in, in the military active active duty and then I did three years in active reserve so eight years oh. total wow um, was my my obligation to oh that's a long time yeah I felt yeah. Like it was a long time especially at 19 looking yeah. back on it I'm like nah it wasn't that long but when at 19 I was like I cannot do one more day <laughs> so um, which is why I didn't go ROTC because I would have gone in as an officer and gone to college, but they were like, you will end up owing 12 years with eight years active. And then you're um, in active reserve time. And I was like, no, 12 years seems like forever to a 19 year old girl. So I was like, I can't do it. I'm just going to enlist and it's only five years and well, eight and I can, I can get out. And so, and go to college, which is what I wanted to do. And so um, I had a hard time. So I began to wake up to these things while I was serving because I saw the programming. I didn't realize that everything was programming, but I realized that the military was programming me and I had a very, very hard time coping with that. So I had to seek ways to survive those years. And I did, I found ways to, um, to survive and I did it. I was very happy when I the last day of my military career was one of the happiest of my life and and I loved the people I worked with I loved my job you know I had actually hadn't had too terrible of an experience I mean it was an, a really good experience until the day it wasn't but it wasn't as bad as some and but I was still thrilled I was happy because I missed just knowing that you are property of the United States government was enough for me. It was like very psychologically problematic for me. And, um, but I was also very proud at the same time that I had completed my service 
and that I had I had laid this foundation for my life, but it was difficult because I was sick and I came out as a disabled vet. So there was a lot of factors in there, but that yeah. was the catalyst for me to understand that programming happens, programming exists, and it's not always good because I think a huge enemy of mankind in and of itself is conformity. And um, and that's the one the place you go, you conform. <laughs> that's where you conform is the military. And after that, I think um, when my first marriage ended, I went to counseling um, alone. And mm. my counselor gave me a book and she gave me Ernest Holmes, The Science of the Mind. And um, it was a very hard for me to read and comprehend, I think, when I first started it. And I would read it. It was written a long time ago. And um, the language is just different. And I would read every page like 10 times. And then that's when I began to realize the negative programming that we all we all live in most of the time. Oh, that's... It's strong, Kia, yeah. and I can't, I can't even imagine how, how it must have been, especially in the military, you know, the, the programming that we have from school, but it must have been even more strict, and I can't, I can't imagine how that must have affected your, I don't know, your way of thinking, your personality, how it, how it shaped you. How did it shape you in, in terms of, of self-worth? for example, or in, in terms of, yeah, other ways of looking at yourself? Well, um, I was considered a rebel, <laughs> probably a bit of a troublemaker. Okay. Um, I was that girl <laughs> that caused problems sometimes. But I really, I, I wasn't causing any problems. I was just different. I was just thinking outside of the norm and doing things that were different. And so I sort of rebelled against the system. I did, I rebelled okay. against the system. And in my free time, I sought ways to distance myself from my military life and, um, and be able to have freedom. Like I found ways to be free, let's say, on, on my off time. And then um, during the daytime, I was in my uniform and I was satisfactory and I did everything that I needed to do. So I lived, I lived a double life essentially. And that helped me manage, that helped me manage it. Um, and then at some point I had to, I had to stop that. And I had to, um, I got into some trouble while I was on active duty. Um, nothing that I was doing but it was more like a guilt by association. I, I watched um, superiors come down on a friend and essentially try to destroy his life. And because I was close to him and vocal about what I was seeing, um, I got me into some trouble. So I had to sort of simmer down <laughs> a bit because I realized that my life was in jeopardy. Um, my freedom, my literal freedom was in jeopardy if I continued doing, behaving uh, in such a rebellious way. So I sort mm -hmm. of buttoned it up and I spent the last few years of my military service being as low key and keeping my mouth shut and just my head down and I made it through because um, it was about surviving. So I did what I had to do to survive. And then I got out. And it changed me. It changed me fundamentally because I became really anti-establishment after I left the military. I was, mm. I was, I was woke AF, let me tell you, from mm. an early age, how things work. And... I had a lot of distrust for authority figures, um, for police, for men in authority. Um, I had a lot of um, issues like that. But as far as my confidence, my it it did not 
make me feel inferior. It made me feel like they were inferior. I felt like they were sheep. You know, and they weren't aware of the reality. Not like my other enlisted people, but like some of the people in authority. I felt like they were, they were bad people. Like, you just do get some bad apples, I guess. You get some people that get into power in the military. They go into the military to get respect based on knowing that they'll have it by what's on their arm or on their rank. And they kind of abuse that. Yeah. And they have power over people's lives, whether they, you know, are going to discharge them with a personality disorder when they just saw something that they felt was immoral and spoke up, or whether a girl reported a rape and they they didn't want to get in trouble by big government, so they decided to cover it up, or um, they persecuted someone for being um, homosexual, you know, you see things and you become aware of things. And when you see things like that, that don't sit right in your own moral code, then you begin, you begin to see the entire organization as inferior. And so that's how I left the military. I felt awake. And I felt like everyone else was asleep. And that was hard. Because when you become aware and no one else is, everyone thinks you're crazy. <laughs> so it's tough. But but I, I made it through it because I just sort of found those circles of people who were also aware. Wow. I I feel really impacted by your story almost on the verge of crying. Um, I feel really impacted in that way that it just, it sounds so dark. And I don't understand when you've seen so many awful things, how you can be positive or how you can change to see life as a positive or beautiful thing when there are things like that that happen in the world how do you do that that's an excellent question and it's by understanding that even with all the horror and awful things that happen in life and in the world, that there are also, there's a balance, that there are also amazing things that happen and beautiful things that happen. And as long as love exists, then there's hope and positivity, you know, it's, it would be easy, and I've seen people, I've seen dear, dear friends of mine get lost in the negativity and the hatefulness of what they experienced because they had a bad experience in the military, you know? I've seen them succumb to the darkness and the negativity and just live in that. And you know what? That energy eats you up. It makes you sick. It stores in your body. It gives you illnesses. It's just so, it's, it's destructive energy. So without releasing it or transmuting it, grounding it, you can become sick, you know, and, and, and maybe worse. So for me, I always looked for the light. I always looked for the people that were loving and kind or doing some art, something creative, adding beauty, adding value to the world. And my soul just recognizes their soul. And I just gravitate to those people so that when I am feeling down or, or sad or my thoughts start to go in that spiral of negativity, I realize that this is my internal guidance system telling me that something's wrong. And I need to examine what's going on around me or what's going on in my life that's making me feel so low. 
Mm. And once I can pinpoint what that is, I take steps to make a change to it. And sometimes those steps are hard. Like some, sometimes it's the end of a marriage, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it's the end of a friendship that you adored, you know? But mm. when you are not feeling good, then it yeah. means that you're not aligned with what you're wanting. And so I think just knowing that as long as love exists and as long as hope exists and as long as you you have an opportunity to have and create the life that you want and to make your re own personal reality what you want it to be and as positive and happy as you can have it, then that's what you have to focus on. If you focus on all the evils of the world, look, I live in the United States of America. <laughs> like in my personal opinion, one of the worst times in our history. And mm -hmm. if I watch the news every day, I'm gonna wanna hang myself. <laughs> like it's, it's, I can't do that, you know? Mm. But I can be aware of what's happening, but create my own personal reality in a way where I can be positive and I can see the good in the world. And that's what I'm focusing my energy on. And that's what I'm focusing on so that I can stay in alignment with what I want. Because what I want is to add value and to create change and to help lessen some of those horrors and evils that are happening in the world. But what's your advice for young people who have just gotten out of military or who are experiencing something else really dark in their life and they're not possible to, to see the love or the good in the world and that they're a little bit stuck in that negativity and looking at the world as a really dark and cold place. Wow, that's really hard. Because a lot of times when you're stuck, you don't want to take any advice and you don't want to see anything other than what's right in front of you, which is darkness, right? So my first piece of advice would be to try to find a why, try to find a reason why you would stay alive. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a dog, maybe mm. it's an art or a TV show that you love, mm. but first find a why that you would just want to continue in this existence. And then once you have that why, mm. realize that you do want to be here and that there's always hope. And as long as there's hope, you can create change. And so face those emotions, but don't stay there. Find something that you love. Find something that, or someone, or a dog, like I said, is always a service animal, is oftentimes like the best thing, especially for a service member leaving, transitioning out and, and dealing with heavy issues. But Number one, it's okay to talk to someone. It's okay to seek therapy. It's okay to take meds if you need them. Maybe you don't need them forever. Maybe it's just a short time. When I had postpartum depression, meds helped me for a year and then I was done with that and done with the depression. So, um, but just knowing that there's hope, knowing that remember that love does exist in the world and you can find it it's possible to find it is not impossible to find the love mm. of a friend the love of an animal the love mm. of a parent the love of you know food i don't know um you know artwork or dancing or something that as exactly long as love exists, you can find it love something it raises your vibration and once you raise your vibration you will begin to shift out of that dark place, you know? And then, and then the next thing is surround yourself with people who will pour love into you 
and remove toxic people out of your life. If all your friends are negative, find new friends. It's like if you're an alcoholic or a drug, drug addict and you try to hang out with the same friends once you're sober, you know, like the likelihood of you doing drugs or drinking again is, is exponentially higher than if you say, okay, I love you guys, I'm gonna take a break, and you get these other friends. Just like if you're in business, surround yourself with people who are where you wanna be in business. And, and it's, it's your support system, it's who's around you. So, and, it, and if you're all alone and you're feeling all alone, then find a service, an organization, a not-for-profit that you can go in and talk to someone and get that support that you need from a positive angle. Because I think being supported is really critical to staying positive and being in environments where people are like-minded or actually more positive than you. That's my advice. Thank you, Kia. Thank you. There are many good um, advices in there. Thank you for sharing. I think with that said, that we're going to wrap up the conversation for, for now. Uh, but I do have a couple of more, like two questions before we wrap up. Uh, actually three. Um, so uh, do you have a daily routine or a habit that you do to, that contributes to that positive mindset or that yeah, contributes to your well-being? I meditate every day. I meditate. It is crucial to my well-being. If I don't meditate on a day, I will see the difference. And I journal. I journal out my feelings. Um, sometimes you can talk to your friends, but it's not the same um, as just because sometimes we'll hold back. So for me, yeah. journaling is critical to really negative or positive or events or, you know, I write it down, I get it out. That's how I get it out. And, um, and yeah, I, I try to just keep supporting loving people in my life and I reach out to them, you know, and that's what I do every day. I, I try to be there for people and I have people that are there for me and, um, and that's, that's how I like to live my life. That's really beautiful, Kia. And you are beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So are you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, do you have a current offering uh, that you want to share? Well, as you know, I am the creator and host of the Female Veterans Podcast. Um, I think this podcast is not just for female veterans. I think everyone should know what the experiences are of women who have served in the military so that we can end the culture of violence surrounding our military service members experiences. Um, in addition to that, I have Hot Topics Live, which airs on Thursdays at 3.30 Eastern on our Facebook page, Hot Topics Live, as well as the podcast, Hot Topics the Podcast, where you can listen to the live show anytime when you have time. And that's available anywhere that podcasts are consumed, I guess. And um, yeah, I'm on Instagram for personal positive messages. Um, you can follow me at Kiativity. That's like Kia and positivity used together. So at Kiativity. And you can follow the Female Veterans Podcast at the Female Veterans Podcast on Instagram and at FemVet Podcast on Twitter. And also, Hot Topics, the podcast on Instagram. So at Hot Topics, the podcast. And um, I do have a website. You can Google the Female Veterans Podcast.com. And that's it for now. Um, that's all I've got. Thank you so much, Kia. Thank you so much for sharing. And one last question Do you have a current favorite song? <laughs> Um, my current favorite song is by Ariana Grande, oh. and that is Seven Rings. 
Cool. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining, Kia. It was a pleasure to have you here. The pleasure is all mine. It has been such a huge honor to spend this time with you and share my story with you. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to this episode. I'm looking forward to see you in the next episodes. Bye for now and have a good day or evening wherever you are. <laughs>